Section one of Stories from the Fairy Queenie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Stories from the Fairy Queenie by Mary MacLeod. The Red Cross Knight, Part One. The Red Cross Knight, right faithful true he was in deed and word. The Court of the Queen Once upon a time, in the days when there were still such things as giants and dragons, there lived a great queen. She reigned over a rich and beautiful country, and because she was good and noble, everyone loved her, and tried also to be good. Her court was the most splendid one in the world for all her knights were brave and gallant, and each one thought only of what heroic things he could do, and how best he could serve his royal lady. The name of the queen was Gloriana, and each of her twelve chief knights was known as the champion of some virtue. Thus Sir Guyon was the representative of temperance, Sir Artegal of justice, Sir Calidor of courtesy, and others took up the cause of friendship, constancy, and so on. Every year the queen held a great feast, which lasted twelve days. Once on the first day of the feast a stranger in poor clothes came to the court, and, falling before the queen, begged a favour of her. It was always the custom at these feasts that the queen should refuse nothing that was asked, so she bade the stranger say what it was he wished. Then he besought that, if any cause arose which called for knightly aid, the adventure might be entrusted to him. When the queen had given her promise, he stood quietly on one side, and did not try to mix with the other guests who were feasting at the splendid tables. Although he was so brave, he was very gentle and modest, and had never yet proved his valour in fight. Therefore he did not think himself worthy of a place among the knights who had already won for themselves honour and renown. Soon after this there rode into the city a fair lady on a white ass. Behind her came her servant, a dwarf, leading a warlike horse that bore the armour of a knight. The face of the lady was lovely, but it was very sorrowful. Making her way to the palace, she fell before Queen Gloriana, and implored her help. She said that her name was Una. She was the daughter of a king and queen who formerly ruled over a mighty country. But many years ago a huge dragon came, and wasted all the land, and shut the king and queen up in a brazen castle, from which they might never come out. The Lady Una therefore besought Queen Gloriana to grant her one of her knights to fight and kill this terrible dragon. Then the stranger sprang forward and reminded the queen of the promise she had given. At first she was unwilling to consent, for the knight was young, and, moreover, he had no armour of his own to fight with. Then said the Lady Una to him, Will you wear the armour that I bring you? For unless you do, you will never succeed in the enterprise, nor kill the horrible monster of evil. The armour is not new, 
it is scratched and dinted with many a hard-fought battle but if you wear it rightly no armour that ever was made will serve you so well then the stranger bade them bring the armour and put it on him and una said stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and when the stranger had put off his own rough clothes and was clad in this armour straight away he seemed the goodliest man in all that company and the lady una was well pleased with her champion and because of the red cross which he wore on his breastplate and on his silver shield henceforth he was known always as the red cross knight but his real name was holiness and the name of the lady for whom he was to do battle was truth so these two rode forth into the world together while a little way behind followed their faithful attendant prudence and now you shall hear some of the adventures that befell the red cross knight and his two companions the wood of error the first adventure happened in this way scarcely had the red cross knight and the lady una started on their journey when the sky suddenly became overcast and a great storm of rain beat down upon the earth looking about for shelter they saw not far away a shady grove which seemed just what they wanted the trees here had great spreading branches which grew so thickly overhead that no light could pierce the covering of leaves through this wood wide paths and alleys well trodden led in all directions it seemed a truly pleasant place and a safe shelter against the tempest so they entered in at once at first as they roamed along the winding paths they found nothing but pleasure deeper and deeper into the heart of the wood they went hearing with joy the sweet singing of the birds and filled with wonder to see so many different kinds of beautiful trees clustered in one spot but by and by when the storm was over and they wished to go forward on their journey they found to their sorrow that they had lost their way it was impossible to remember by which path they had come every way now seemed strange and unknown here and there they wandered backwards and forwards there were so many turnings to be seen so many paths they knew not which to take to lead them out of the wood in this perplexity at last they determined to go straight forward until they found some end either in or out of the wood choosing for this purpose one of the broadest and most trodden paths they came presently in the thickest part of the wood to a hollow cave then the red cross knight dismounted from his steed and gave his spear to the dwarf to hold take heed said the lady una lest you too rashly provoke mischief this is a wild and unknown place and peril is often without show hold back therefore till you know further if there is any danger hidden there 
Ah, lady, said the knight, it were shame to go backward for fear of a hidden danger. Virtue herself gives light to lead through any darkness. Yes, said Una, but I know better than you the peril of this place, though now it is too late to bid you go back like a coward. Yet wisdom warns you to stay your steps before you are forced to retreat. This is the wandering wood, and that is the den of error, a horrible monster hated of all. Therefore, I advise you to be cautious. Fly, fly, this is no place for living men, cried timid Prudence. But the young knight was full of eagerness and fiery courage, and nothing could stop him. Forth through the darksome hole he went and looked in. His glittering armor made a little light, by which he could plainly see the ugly monster. Such a great, horrible thing it was, something like a snake with a long tail twisted in knots, with stings all over it. And near this wicked big creature, whose other name was Falsehood, there were a thousand little ones, varying in shape, but every one bad and ugly. For you may be quite sure that wherever one of this horrible race is found, there will always be many others of the same family lurking near. When the light shone into the cave, all the little creatures fled to hide themselves, and the big parent falsehood rushed out of her den in terror. But when she saw the shining armor of the night, she tried to turn back for she hated light as her deadliest foe, and she was always accustomed to live in darkness, where she could neither see plainly nor be seen. When the knight saw that she was trying to escape, he sprang after her as fierce as a lion, and then the great fight began. Though he strove valiantly, yet he was in sore peril, for suddenly the cunning creature flung her huge tail round and round him so that he could stir neither hand nor foot. Then the Lady Una cried out to encourage him, Now, now, Sir Knight, show what you are. Add faith unto your force, and be not faint. Kill her, or else she will surely kill you. With that fresh strength and courage came to the knight. Gathering all his force, he got one hand free, and gripped the creature by the throat, with so much pain that she was soon compelled to loosen her wicked hold. Then, seeing that she could not hope to conquer in this way, she suddenly tried to stifle the knight by flinging over him a flood of poison. This made the knight retreat a moment. Then she called to her aid all the horrid little creeping and crawling monsters that he had seen before, and many others of the same kind or worse. These came swarming and buzzing round the night like a cloud of teasing gnats, and tormented and confused him with their feeble stings. Enraged at this fresh attack, he made up his mind to end the matter one way or another, and rushing at his foe, he killed her with one stroke of his sword. Then Lady Una, whom from a distance had watched all that passed, came near in haste to greet his victory. Fair knight, she said, born under happy star, 
you are well worthy of that armour in which this day you have won great glory and proved your strength against a strong enemy this is your first battle i pray that you will win many others in like manner the knight deceived by the magician after his victory over falsehood the red cross knight again mounted his steed and he and the lady una went on their way keeping carefully to one path and turning neither to the right hand nor the left at last they found themselves safely out of the wood of error but now they were to fall into the power of a more dangerous and treacherous foe than even the hateful monster falsehood they had travelled a long way and met with no fresh adventure when at last they chanced to meet in the road an old man he looked very wise and good he was dressed in a long black gown like a hermit and had bare feet and a grey beard he had a book hanging from his belt as was the custom with scholars in those days he seemed very quiet and sad and kept his eyes fixed on the ground and all the time as he went along he seemed to be saying prayers and lamenting over his own wickedness when he saw the travellers he made a very humble salute to them the red cross knight returned the greeting with all courtesy and asked him if he knew of any strange adventures that were then taking place ah my dear son said the hermit how should a simple old man who lives in a lonely cell and does nothing all day but sorrow for his own faults how should such a man know any tidings of war or worldly trouble it is not fitting for me to meddle with such matters but if indeed you desire to hear about danger and evil near at hand i can tell you about a strange man who wastes all the surrounding country that said the knight is what i chiefly ask about and i will reward you well if you will guide me to the place where he dwells for it is a disgrace to knighthood that such a creature should be allowed to live so long his dwelling is far away from here in the midst of a barren wilderness answered the old man no living person may ever pass it without great danger and difficulty now said the lady una night is drawing near and i know well that you are wearied with your former fight therefore take rest and with a new day begin new work you have been well advised sir knight said the old man day is now spent therefore take up your abode with me for this night the travellers were well content to do this so they went with the apparently good old man to his home it was a little lowly hermitage down in a dale by the side of a forest far from the beaten track of travellers a small chapel was built near and close by a crystal stream gently welled forth from a never-failing fountain arrived at the house they neither expected nor found any entertainment but rest was what they chiefly needed and they were well satisfied for the noblest mind is always the best contented 
The old man had a good store of pleasing words, and knew well how to fit his talk to suit his visitors. The evening passed pleasantly, and then the hermit conducted his guests to the lodgings where they were to spend the night. But when they were safely asleep, a horrid change came over the old man, for in reality he was not good at all, although he pretended to be so. His heart was full of hatred, malice, and deceit. He called himself Archimago, which means a great magician, but his real name was Hypocrisy. He knew that as long as holiness and truth kept together, no great harm could come to either of them, so he determined to do everything in his power to separate them. For his purpose he got out all his books of magic, and set to work to devise cunning schemes and spells. He was so clever and wily that he could deceive people much better and wiser than himself. He also had at his bidding many bad little spirits who ran about and did his messages. These he used to help his friends and frighten his enemies, and he had the power of making them take any shape he wished. Choosing out two of the worst of these, he sent one on a message to King Morpheus, who rules over the land of sleep. He bade him bring back with him a bad, false dream, which Archimago then carried to the sleeping knight. So cunningly did he contrive the matter, that when the knight awoke the next morning, he never knew that it had only been a dream, but believed that all the things he had seen in his sleep had really happened. In the meanwhile, Archimago dressed up the other bad spirit to look like Una, so that at a little distance it was impossible to tell any difference in the two figures. He knew that the only way to part holiness and truth was to make holiness believe by some means that truth was not as good as she appeared to be. He knew also that the Red Cross Knight would believe nothing against the Lady Una except what he saw with his own eyes. Therefore he laid his plans with the greatest care, and Gil. Now we shall see how he succeeded in his wicked endeavour. THE KNIGHT FORSAKES UNA The next morning at daybreak the knight awoke, sad and unrested after the unpleasant dreams that had come to him in the night. He did not know he had been asleep. He thought the things that troubled him had really happened. It was scarcely dawn when Archimago rushed up to him in a state of pretended sorrow and indignation. "'The Lady Una has left you,' said this wicked male. "'She is not good as she pretends to be. She cares nothing at all for you, nor for the noble work on which you are bound, and she does not mean to go any farther with you on your toilsome journey.' The Red Cross Knight started up in anger. This was like his dream, and he knew not what was true, nor what was false. "'Come,' said Archimago, "'see for yourself.' He pointed to a figure in the distance, whom the knight took to be Una. Then, indeed, he was forced to believe what the wicked magician told him. He now took for granted that Una had been deceiving him all along, and had ceased this moment to escape. He forgot all her real sweetness and goodness and beauty. 
He only thought how false and unkind she was. He was filled with anger, and he never paused a moment to reflect if there could be any possibility of mistake. Calling his servant, he bade him bring his horse at once, and then these two immediately set forth again on their journey. Here the Red Cross Knight was wrong, and we shall see presently into what perils and misfortunes he fell because of his hasty want of faith. If he had had a little patience, he would soon have discovered that the figure he saw was only a dressed-up imitation. The real Lady Una all this time was sleeping quietly in her own bower. When she awoke and found that her two companions had fled in the night and left her alone behind, she was filled with grief and dismay. She could not understand why they should do such a thing. Mounting her white ass, she rode after them with all the speed she could, but the knight had urged on his steed so fast it was almost useless to try to follow. Yet she never stayed to rest her weary limbs, but went on seeking them over hill and dale, and through wood and plain, sorely grieved in her tender heart that the one she loved best should leave her with such ungentle discourtesy. When the wicked Archimago saw that his cunning schemes had succeeded so well, he was greatly pleased and set to work to devise fresh mischief. It was Una whom he chiefly hated, and he took great pleasure in her many troubles, for hypocrisy always hates real goodness. He had the power of turning himself into any shape he chose. Sometimes he would be a fowl, sometimes a fish, now like a fox now like a dragon. On the present occasion, to suit his evil purpose, it seemed best to him to put on the appearance of the good knight whom he had so cruelly beguiled. Therefore Hippocrisy dressed himself up in imitation armour, with a silver shield and everything exactly like the Red Cross Knight. When he sat upon his fiery charger, he looked such a splendid warrior you would have thought it was St. George himself. Holiness fights faithless and makes friends with false religion. The true St. George, meanwhile, had wandered far away. Now that he had left the Lady Una, he had nothing but his own will to guide him, and he no longer followed any fixed purpose. Presently he saw coming to meet him another warrior, fully armed. He was a great rough fellow who cared nothing for God or man. Across his shield in gay letters was written Sans Foy, which means faithless. He had with him a companion, a handsome lady dressed all in scarlet, trimmed with gold and rich pearls. She rode a beautiful palfrey with gay trappings and little gold bells tinkled on her bridle. The two came along laughing and talking, but when the lady saw the Red Cross Knight she left off her mirth at once, and bade her companion attack him. Then the two knights levelled their spears and rushed at each other, but when Faithless saw the Red Cross graven on the breastplate of the other, he knew that he could never prevail against that safeguard. However, he fought with great fury, and the Red Cross Knight had a hard battle before he overcame him. At last he managed to kill him, 
and he told his servant to carry away the shield of faithless in token of victory when the lady saw her champion fall she fled in terror but the red cross knight hurried after her and bade her stay telling her that she had nothing now to fear his brave and gentle heart was full of pity to see her in so great distress and he asked her to tell him who she was and who was the man that had been with her melting into tears she then told him the following sad story she said that she was the daughter of an emperor and had been engaged to marry a wise and good prince before the wedding day however the prince fell into the hands of his foes and was cruelly slain she went out to look for his dead body and in the course of her wandering met the saracen knight who took her captive Sanfoy was one of three bad brothers the names of the others were sangloy which means lawless and sangjoy which means joyless she further said that her own name was fidessa or true religion and she besought the knight to have compassion on her because she was so friendless and unhappy fair lady said the knight a heart of flint would grieve to hear of your sorrows but henceforth rest safely assured that you have found a new friend to help you and lost an old foe to hurt you a new friend is better than an old foe then the seemingly simple maiden pretended to look comforted and the two rode on happily together but what the lady had told about herself was quite untrue her name was not fidessa at all but duessa which means false religion if una had still been with the knight he would never have been led astray but when he parted from her he had nothing but his own feelings to guide him he still meant to do right but he was deceived by his false companion who brought him into much trouble and danger end of section one read by lars rolander